Hello and welcome to the Fresh Air Sci-Fi Show. I'm Joe. And I'm Dave. And many well, happy returns. <laughs> Thank you. It's a big one today, isn't it, Dave? It always is. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's it been? What have you been up to? Uh, I went for a journey along the coast by bus. Um, I went to Bangor and then went to Carnarvon and then came back. Went to Bang who? Yeah, her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just went to Bangor and Carnarvon, did did a bit of shopping and came home. It was way too hot today. Hot? God, you're lucky. It's been absolutely miserable for oh, at least a week, I think. Yeah, In fact, the last stream that we did where I said the, the weather's going to be on the turn... That was pretty much the last time we had good weather. <laughs> oh, no, it was roasting here. Like, I went out with my jacket on and I had to take it off. I had to take off a cardigan. It was just way too hot today. Like, even the dog wouldn't go for a walk because it was just too hot for him to move. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean he's going to be chilled out tonight or he's going to be even more erratic than normal? I think he's still worn out from keeping me up till four in the morning last night. Ouch. <laughs> and then waking me up at nine this morning. <laughs> Ouch. And and how yeah. are you with that? Are you a bit knackered then? <laughs> Very knackered. I can imagine. Uh, there's a, a few messages in the chat saying happy birthday as well. Um, so you've got uh, Alan, Luke and Philip who are there joining us in the chat nice and early. Uh, but we do have quite a few people who have joined us on the stream. Uh, three of you are actually on Twitter, so hello to the people on Twitter. We, you know, your messages don't hello. come through here. Um, so uh, if if you want to join us, jump onto YouTube or onto Facebook, and the messages should come through. Uh, we tend to find, oh, in fact, even on Twitch, um, the messages tend to come through to us directly if you want to communicate with us. There's a good group of people. And obviously uh, our Discord channel as well. You can communicate through the live one there. Uh, oh, hi, Azar. He also says, happy birthday, Dave. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, not to, to waylay the conversation onto tonight's actual topic, Um but, but before we do that, I do want to mention Dave has said that he might do an AMA at the end of this. So if anybody does want to jump on uh, towards the end of the stream um, and ask questions or just ask questions in the chat, we will open it up to, to people. Um, I will sort out the permissions in Discord when we get to that bit. <laughs> just need to let me know you want to join us. Um, but yes, <laughs> tonight's topic is about hammering rationality. The reason we chose the title Hammering Rationality is because of a conversation I was having a couple of weeks ago now about rationality with someone on Twitter. It was actually a really good conversation. We agreed on a, a lot of things uh, along the lines of what rationality is and things like that. But there was one main point of contention between the two of us. He felt that you needed to have certain tools to actually be able to be rational. He had an almost absolutive, uh, absolutionist, is that the right word? Uh, absolutist? Yeah, something like that. An absolutist? Okay, let's do that. Uh, an, an absolutist approach to this where 
you know, these are all the things that make you rational. And you have to probably do at least 90% of these things to be rational. Whereas I took a more relative approach to it where people are as rational as they can be. So I would judge someone. uh, I, I actually gave an example of a hammer in the conversation where if the only thing you had to hammer in a nail was a rock, then it's better using that than your fist. But if you learn of hammers and you still use a rock, well, then you're being irrational. Um, So tonight's conversation is about the tools of rationality and whether you need them to actually be rational. Now, it's quite common to hear people uh, almost conflate rationality and being logical and being logical with acting like Spock on the internet. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a little bit more to it than that. So Dave, would you like to take it away and explain what rationality actually is? I was about to just start pretending that there was something wrong with the stream like last (laughs) week when you asked me the question. (laughs) But no, I'll skip that. (laughs) This is about where it died last week. (laughs) It was. Um, Okay. So... There's quite a lot to talk about when we think about being rational. And there's two things you can think of in that there's theoretical rationality and practical rationality. So taking your rocks and hammer approach, we could consider that to be uh, an example of practical rationality. Um, A good example is there was an outbreak of cholera somewhere in London in the late 1800s and there was a bunch of people doing all scientific experiments and they were testing all these different things and they were waiting for all the results to come through before making a decision about what to do but there was one doctor who looked at the data and looked at where the outbreaks were happening and then visited the areas and tried to find out what was common amongst all the patients and And he found that they all kind of drank from the same well. Um, Or even the outliers, they had children who went to school in the area who drank from the well. So he summed it up with them drinking from the well, even though he hadn't tested all the data yet. And he had the well shut down. Um, Now, you could say he wasn't being rational because he hadn't gone through all the data. He hadn't waited for all the tests. He just shut it down. But that could be seen as an example of practical rationality. You don't wait for all the data. You come up with the best guess from inference and work from there and then start knocking back options. And in the case of the hammer, um, if we think of something like you, the example I generally use is the tea example. You want to have a cup of tea, you got no milk in the cupboard, but you won't drink tea without milk. So it would be rational for you to go to the corner shop and get milk. It's about solving problems in the most rational and best way. So if you were if you were to say, well, I need a cup of tea with milk in it, but I've got no milk. So therefore, I'm going to go watch the football. That isn't the best way to go about solving your problem. So rationality is about problem solving. And you could consider it something like thinking according to the rules of logic and using reason and probability theory to solve those problems. But theoretical rationality is slightly stricter 
in that you have to follow logic to the T. Um, so in the case of a medical experiment, you have to get all the data before acting on it. But you could say you're acting reason, uh, rationally in a practical sense if you do what's best to solve the goal. So if you need to hammer a nail in, you've only got a rock, a rock will do. But if you've got a hammer, then you're not acting as rational as you could be because you should be using the hammer. Mm. And theoretical rationality would say that you shouldn't hammer the nail in until you have the hammer. What would it say in the instance where you didn't know hammers existed? Well, then you would have to use whatever worked. Right. Because so, you can only be as rational as you can be under the circumstances. So even with theoretical rationality, you would you would say that if if you were not aware of hammers, and I know that's kind of ridiculous, but it sort of draws the point that it, you, you know you need to get this nail into this piece of wood for whatever reason, and you don't know how, but you th think about rocks and how they can hit things and they're hard, that's solving the problem. Um, so it, it could be a practical rationality, but it would have fit under the parameters of theoretical of rationality if you did not know hammers existed. Yeah, because yeah. you're using the data that you have available to you to come to the best conclusion. Yeah, if you knew hammers existed and didn't have one, the rational course of action there would be to order a hammer or go and get a hammer to then use it because it is the tool designed for the job. So in the same sort of sense, if we were to think about, uh, you know, the various rules of logic, um, you wouldn't necessarily need to know the, the rules of logic to act rationally or uh, reason rationally. But if you were aware of the rules of logic and you decided to ignore them on a problem that you would use the rules of logic before, that would then be irrational. Yeah, I would say so. And I mean, like you said, even if you didn't know logic existed, it would still be possible to think logically. Like even if you didn't understand the rules of logic, had never been introduced to them, you could still sort of figure out that something can't be both itself and not itself. Um, or, you know, like understand that some, having a contradiction means that there's a problem in your thinking. So you might not necessarily have to know them and understand them in order to use them. Do you think that, let, let's just say someone who has been uh, brainwashed into a particular way of thinking and they, they don't necessarily have the ability to even think along those lines because they've had you know, this particular brainwashing, whether it's been hypnotized or whatever, they, they're just, they're basically playing out this track in their mind and they can't get off of this track because that is where they're going. That's they think. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that they can be rational, those sorts of people? Yeah. And I think here's where there's a distinction that could be made in that they could be being rational by coming to the conclusion, but the conclusion they come to might not be a rational conclusion. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd, ag I'd agree with you on that, though. Some, I mean, one thing that we d we both say about rationality is it's about the reasoning, not necessarily the conclusion. The conclusion, so, yeah. I mean, like we were talking about before, where, I mean, I mentioned that I can believe that uh, a young Earth creationist could, if they were in a, a commune where they were completely siloed off from the rest of the world, 
um, could come to the conclusion that the world is 6,000 years old and maybe even it's flat as well and they've got no evidence to the contrary. They've not got the internet. They, you know, they, they really only have their religious leaders, their religious books and everything they're told. So all the data they have tells them this one thing. So they've reasoned and they've come to this conclusion. And they might have done that through a uh, what, what we would regard as a rational process, but the conclusion is clearly wrong. They don't know it's wrong. If they did, they would be irrational for believing it. Yeah. And I would say that, like you just said there, that it's it's an irrational conclusion, but they've reached it rationally. But technically, if rationality is about the reasoning, it's not necessarily an irrational conclusion, is it? It's just wrong. It's just wrong, yeah. Um, but the way you would separate the two things is to say that they didn't have all the information necessary. So their conclusion, their coming to their conclusion is rational and reasonable. And, it, you know, we would say that it's reasonable for them to come to the conclusion given everything that they know and all the information that they had led to that conclusion. Um, but if you were to take the ideal bystander approach, which is a person with all the data that we have available to us, not just the data, the limited data that that person had, but all the data that we know about the age of the Earth, the conclusion that they have reached, the young Earth creationist, is irrational based on the ideal observer example. Um, because the ideal observer, the one with all, all the information, would come to a more rational conclusion. Mm. So they are rational for coming to that conclusion, even if that conclusion isn't rational under the ideal bystander. Right. So I, I suppose that, that that's a good way. Of, ideal of, observer. Sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good way of separating it. Uh, so the it, if the, the 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 rational observer is the one that does have all the data available to them, um, so that is why you would separate the 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 conclusion as a rational or irrational conclusion in that same regard. Um, but yeah, so you'd agree that, that you know someone might not be able to ha have all the data, but would be rational in their reasoning. Um, I suppose in the same regard, would you agree that someone could have the correct conclusion or a rational conclusion, but they have reasoned in an irrational way? Oh, yeah, most definitely. You can come to the right conclusion by thinking badly. Like uh, my friend said. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I, some bloke down the pub told me that England was going to win tonight, England won tonight, so therefore he he knew what he was talking about. He just had a lucky guess, you know what I mean? Um, or the last time England played and won, it it was a sunny day, and it's a sunny day today, so therefore they're going to win. You know, bad thinking like that. So they might have come to a good conclusion. Or um, say, the Earth is a globe, and I know this, because I can see the cur the clouds curve in the sky. Um, so therefore, I know the Earth is round. Well, that might just be the way you observe the clouds rather than it actually being a, a round Earth. So you can come to the right conclusion for the very wrong reasons. So rationality, at least when we're talking agent-specific, is, is definitely about the way they reason. 
And as you mentioned, it's it's reasoning using the rules of uh, logic and probability theory. Uh, and uh, I suppose another part of it's holding consistent and coherent beliefs. Um, yeah. I suppose that ties back into the logic part, though. If you hold contradictory beliefs, then, you know, you're not adhering and to the rules of logic. has got to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so in that regard... We know that there is a certain way we ought to reason, but there are obviously tools that help us reason better, ways that we can think better, um, ways that we can process the information better. So, what, I mean, what are some of those? What are the best? I mean, if uh, I'm sure you could probably sit here and go on and on and on with a massive list, but if we were to say the the best tools to have in your tool belt to... Uh, act as rationally as possible and you know to to raise your own bar of where your peak rationality is what would they be and the first step is to understand that the dunning-kruger effect affects everybody yeah um so if you start from there and understand that you might be incredibly confident about what you think you know that doesn't necessarily mean you're right um so that's a good place to start but then Take a simple critical thinking one, course. One stop there. Well, right. I'm sure most of you who are watching understand what the Dunning-Kruger effect is, but in case you you don't, uh, it it's essentially that the less knowledge and experience you have, the more confident you might be in your position. Uh, so if you've got your whole sort of graph going up, you see it there and there's this, you know, you've got this little bit of knowledge and all of a sudden you've got this peak confidence and you think you know absolutely everything about the topic. And this is where the main Dunning-Kruger effect hits in. And then the more you learn about it, the more your confidence goes down. And eventually you do start getting more confidence again as you reach peak knowledge, but you'll never be as confident as you were in, in, in that thing. And it does uh, affect absolutely everybody. Yeah. I think it can uh, especially affect those who are not only incredibly stupid, but those who are incredibly intelligent. I find intelligent people can quite often overestimate their own ability. They might have X number of degrees in, in all of these topics, so therefore think that they know everything about everything and have really bad takes on things that they're not <laughs> trained on. <laughs> Dave face palming. <laughs> no, no, hiding, because you seem to be referring to me. <laughs> No, I was actually uh, referring to a lot of the um, folks in uh, brilliant folks in the scientific community and some of the less brilliant ones as well, who have really bad takes on philosophy and uh, history and other things like that, uh, or even uh, well, a lack of respect for soft science. <laughs> yeah. Um, one example I like to use is there's this thing that goes around the sort of skeptic community. Um, where they say the Dunning-Kruger effect is when you're too stupid to know how stupid you are. And, and it's not that. Do you know what I mean? It's just not that. And when you point that out to them, they tell you that you're wrong. That, that's a pretty good example of the Dunning-Kruger effect in action. Well, people are talking about other people having the Dunning-Kruger effect. Brilliant. 
Um, actually, it, it it is one of those things. Along with the the whole fallacy bingo, uh, the the Dunning Kruger is one of those things you hear people shout straight away, and you're like, you haven't even spoken to this person long enough to even. <laughs> work out if they're actually suffering from this it's just another dismissive insult that you hear people say it doesn't mean yeah. what it ought to mean anymore in conversation yeah um it, it like you said it, it it basically became an insult a way of saying well i'm in the skeptic community so therefore i'm smarter than you so you must be suffering from the dunning kruger effect <laughs> not me um, but like that, it's an important one to start with, to understand that no matter how smart you think you are, unless you have extensive study in whatever it is you're talking about, there's a pretty good chance that you're wrong. And if you haven't had your understanding tested by people who are knowledgeable on these subjects, then chances are you might not understand it quite as well as you should. So if somebody comes along that is more qualified than you and says so-and-so, then you should probably listen to that person. Even if you don't agree with them, you should probably at least listen to them. And, and that's one of the best places to start to better improve your critical thinking skills. Which leads us on to your next tool, which you just mentioned and I cut you off, uh, critical thinking. Yeah. And that's understanding how to approach a topic and how to ask the right questions about the topic. Um, and how to think through those questions in a logical way and in a reasonable way um, and using something like probability theory. Um, so like one thing that we mentioned is if you start, think of evidence. We, we often talk about evidence and people say, well, that's not evidence. Without understanding that if you start with a hypothesis, anything that raises the probability of that hypothesis being true counts as evidence for that hypothesis. And anything that lowers it is still evidence. It might be counter evidence, but it's still evidence that the hypothesis is wrong. So a lot of people who kind of speak about evidence aren't necessarily thinking critically about what evidence is. Yeah, you often hear the the same old line, evidence is testable, repeatable, blah, blah, blah. Okay, <laughs> and you try and find out what they actually mean by this sort of evidence, and that's scientific evidence, testable evidence. Okay, so yeah. what would this look like, you know, in a particular conversation? And they don't have any answer. They just have, <laughs> you know, these... Catchphrases. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that goes back to the Dunning-Kruger thing where... They're picking up their information from people who they think are smart, and they probably are, you know, quite smart people, but they might not be well informed. And so they think because that person's smart and that a lot of people listen to them, they must be informed and they take on those things and they take on a bad take. And that bad take gets repeated and repeated like a meme. And that's kind of how bad thinking proliferates through communities and things like that. I'm, I'm glad you circled back to uh, the Dunning-Kruger because uh, Luke actually made a very relevant comment on this. He said, uh, even when you have extensive study, many people don't keep up with new research and get stuck in old thought processes, thinking they're an expert because they were an expert in the field years ago. Uh, and yeah. that, that is very, very true as well. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. 
it's very hard to stay up to date. And obviously, I mean, as as you get older as well, it can be even harder to stay up to date. I mean, you think about technology now. If you're someone who was an expert 50 years ago, <laughs> and being an expert 50 years ago, you must have already been in your 40s, maybe. <laughs> so you're 90 with all the new technology. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you, you know, you're not going to have the same sort of opinion. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, and you mentioned that there's critical thinking courses. I think actually there was one that I wanted to to jump on that Stephen Law was doing really cheap recently, yeah. but I, I just haven't had the chance. Is he still doing it? No, no. Um, I'm not. No, uh, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it's that cheap on other sites, but he mentioned a particular site that it was cheap on. And I've been meaning to do it. I just haven't had time. I do have the site bookmarked, though. Yeah, fair. I mean, maybe if you, if you've got it, drop it into, and it's still active. Drop it into the into the chat, and um, ho hopefully, you guys who are, are watching right now or maybe seeing the chat fly by, you can see the link. And I will do my best to remember to uh, put it in the comments or in the uh, in the podcast notes. It's. Yeah, it's still active, and it's fifteen pound ninety nine from Udemy. Excellent. So there you go. I'm just uh, about to post it in the chat. Oh, thank you, Dave. Uh, whilst you do that, um, we've got a comment come in from Cafe. Uh, he says, "Very often, atheists demand evidence, but very rarely ever grasp what evidence consists of within a theological context." I often argue it's not evidence. Uh, which the atheist lacks, but it's theological understanding which is lacking. I mean, y you could be right. Um, as we've discussed a number of times, there is a big misunderstanding within the atheist community. And as, as atheists ourselves, we do quite often try and have this conversation. Um, and uh, one way I try and describe uh, one way I try and describe evidence is something indicative of a conclusion. And I actually like the way Dave phrases it, something that raises the probability of something being true or raises the probability of a particular conclusion. And like he says, something might lower the probability of like a hypothesis, but that's raising the probability of the hypothesis being false at the same time. Yeah. It's it still, it comes down to, you know, the definition, it's indicative of a conclusion. So it's indicative that the conclusion is, or the hypothesis is true or indicative of the conclusion that the hypothesis is false. And and that's it. So that's why even, even uh, holy books can technically be regarded as evidence because they raise the probability of this thing being true. Maybe not by much. Maybe you can read through them and say, there's so many errors within this holy book. I find it absolutely awful as evidence. It's full of contradictions and so on and so forth. And it's still evidence, but you might conclude it's bad evidence. It's uh, inconclusive evidence. It's weak evidence. Um, uh, but I think it's ridiculous to say it. it's not evidence. And by the same token, arguments that are presented can count as evidence, right? Even if it is just a logical argument, because they can raise the probability of a conclusion being true. And there can be a counter argument that can raise the probability of that being false. So they are, arguments can be regarded as evidence in that regard. 
and not yeah. all evidence is this scientific, testable, repeatable. You know, that could be your preferred evidence, and that's fine. But calling evidence not evidence because it's not your preferred evidence is a bit ridiculous. Well, here's the thing about arguments and people who say arguments aren't evidence of anything. Um, if I hold up a rock with a bit of blood on it, yeah, it's just a rock with a bit of blood on it. In order to make that evidence for something, you have to make an argument. Yeah. So the argument is what makes the thing the evidence. So it's the same with arguments that are just wholly based on logic. If, if they're very logical arguments, they're evidence of what's being argued for. They're just not that sort of empirical evidence that, you know, people expect, well, this obviously points to this conclusion. But without arguments, data is irrelevant. It's just data. Evidence is irrelevant because it's just an object or, you know, again, data. It's people who dismiss arguments as not evidence for anything don't understand that even a theory is it one giant argument for <laughs> the data. Yeah, so that's a good way to put it. In fact, everything that you get, you you receive, is information. Technically, if you know, like you mentioned, the 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 blood on the rock, you, all you're getting there is information, visual information of this blood on a rock, and it takes someone to actually put things together. Well, you know, if you were suddenly breathing heavy and you looked a little bit crazed, or maybe you've hit someone, or Maybe if you just had a cut in your hand, oh, he's cut himself on the on his hand with the rock, and oh, okay, so he's hurt himself, and for some reason he's been a bit of an idiot and picked up the rock to show me. Uh, but it takes yeah. that human interpretation of the information of the data to actually turn it into evidence, and by turning it into evidence, you are presenting an argument, as you said. Um. So uh, Philip says, arguments explain how a piece of information is supposed to raise the probability of a given proposition. Exactly. And I mean, here, here's another thing for people who say, well, I, I don't mean arguments with evidence to back them up. I just mean arguments based on their own. Well, the argument that empirical data is needed is an argument on its own without <laughs> any actual empirical data to back it up. So are we supposed to say that that's not evidence that we should only accept empirical data yeah i mean you can't use empirical data to back that up really can you i mean unless no. you go down the line of inductive reasoning well it's worked before okay well then how can you you know justify inductive reasoning oh well it's worked before <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> there are certain yeah. things that you actually just, it doesn't matter what you're thinking about. It, you know, it's one that upsets us atheists when we say it, but take it on faith. There are certain presuppositions, axioms, and brute facts that are just, you have to take as read to be able to move forward. Yeah. I mean, you might build up the inductive case based on experience and say, well, my experience tells me that every day the sun rises. Okay, that's fair enough, but you still have to start with a sort of an assumption made based on those experiences, and that assumption becomes part of your daily outlook. Um, a lot of people tend to think that the word presuppose something is bad. If you presuppose anything, then you're not thinking rationally. <laughs> but that's not the case. You can presuppose things and still have a rational outlook on the world, 
as long as you're coming to good conclusions based on those presuppositions. So this all ties back into what Dave was saying about thinking critically about these certain things. If you can learn to think critically about evidence and claims and propositions and presuppositions and get rid of your bias, you know, we've all got biases against these things. In fact, there's a lot of dirty words in the atheist community that set us off. You mentioned presupposition. I mentioned faith. Both of those are, are terrible ones in the atheist community for some reason. Uh, the word belief as well. Um, also, the understanding of things like the burden of proof is, you know, <laughs> we've, we've gone over it enough, but another one that is, is constantly misused. And generally, when you try and actually uh, uh, correct people on these and, and, and try and encourage um, them to think a little bit more critically about it, they, they shut down and get defensive as well, which I suppose that ties back into the Dunning-Kruger. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like a, a lot of people, and it's fully understandable that a lot of people do this, but a lot of people just repeat things that are common phrases within any particular social group that they adhere to, because that's part of being that social group. And part of the in-group, out-group thinking is to think, well, it's my group that knows what they're talking about. So it's understandable that they do that, but if you're going to think critically, you have to learn to think beyond the in-group, out-group paradigm and to be able to critically assess the claims that you're taking in from that in-group and you're accepting, like a lot of skeptics will say, I don't accept anything without question, but how many accept without question that there's only one definition of atheism? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all other definitions are wrong. <laughs> yeah. But let's not focus on that one because we'll end up on a Oh, no, no, but it, it's just a good example. Yeah, <laughs> it it's a good example. Or good. those who say belief is accepting something without evidence. Yeah, that, yeah, that's another common one. And people will accept that without question. And when somebody brings a different definition, rather than say, ah, I hadn't thought of it that way, they'll go, no, you're just wrong. That's yeah. not what belief is. And, and, and in, that's, fact, in that regard, I've even had someone take a Google dictionary definition of belief and they've read it out and they've ignored the part of the definition that's in there that says it because the Google definition isn't the only definition of belief. Oh, God, <laughs> it's just randomly started up. But the Google definition says something like um, a belief is something uh, is accepting something as true, which is one of the common definitions. But it has a tag on the end that says, especially without evidence. And they just say it they get the especially out of there they ignore it and they say see it says that and you're like the words are in front of you it's accepting something is true the especially without evidence is just because on the internet that is the way it's used um yeah. <laughs> uh, just like to say uh hello um to manny brent and tyler who've joined us in the chat uh thank you and everyone else who is out there please uh, feel free to uh, jo jump in and uh, say hello. Um, we'd love to hear from you in the chat or in the comments afterwards as well. That's always good. Um, Brent, it's nice to have you actually here. Usually we just catch you on the on the hey, reruns, so it's uh, really good. Uh, Brent actually runs a believers and non-believers uh, 
discussion group on Facebook. I think it says and philosophical discussion. Uh, so Brent, if you want to drop a, a link in the chat, feel free. Um, and it, it's actually quite a good one. It's one of the smaller ones, so it's uh, a, a lot more uh, concise and decent conversations tend to go on there. Uh, although you do get the odd uh, troublemaker, don't you? <laughs> As you do everywhere I on the know internet. Anything about that? <laughs> Um, apparently Luke is also sweaty. Luke, I'm, I'm wondering why you're, you're sweaty. Uh, <laughs> is it because of the conversation that we've been having or have you been looking at those pictures I sent you? <laughs> um, oh, uh, Philip also corrects the, the definition I, I gave from Google because I hadn't actually checked it as it says, especially without proof rather than especially without evidence, uh, which you could even argue is not even without evidence. So one one of the things that we uh, we do sometimes just hear people uh, use the words proof and evidence. Um, they can be used interchangeably, but when you're you're thinking about evidence in this regard, where we say evidence is something indicative of a conclusion, we would say proof is. Uh, evidence that is conclusive uh, you know it, it not only does it raise the probability it's you know makes it sort of a hundred percent this is the case um so <laughs> yeah oh and dave's just put a link to the, the the chat thank you for doing that dave um <laughs> oh, you moved your office around does that mean your computer is going to work and you can jump back on stream with us luke we're we're looking for another psych fi uh, hopefully you can get back on stream soon. His computer's not broken. He's just got malware from watching too much porn. <laughs> that I sent him of me. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, cool. So critical thinking. That's one. <laughs> That's a big one. And we, we've explained a few ways which um, people who think they are... Uh, engaging critical thinking skills are actually just being critical. What's the next tool that you think that we should uh, raise? Sorry, I was just reading a comment. Oh, yeah. Um, do, you wanna, do you want to cover that one as well? Uh, Steve's comment. Faith in the religious context has only one definition. The religious love to equivocate and use the other definition of faith to have trust in something, but it's not with... And I'm guessing it hasn't posted the whole comment from Facebook. Uh, but it's not without evidence. The without evidence distinguishes between religious faith and regular old trust. So, I mean, faith, even in the, the Bible, um, was when it was written in Greek, the word pistis was used. So it whether whether you think that that's how it may, it's meant today its original using use was pistis now pistis was the uh, personification of uh hope good faith and trust or something like that if i'm remembering correctly um so faith essentially is just trust when it comes down to it, it you know uh they trust in their 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 doctrines they trust their beliefs are true that's that's what they they mean by by faith there now if you want to put in the whole without evidence bit on top well i mean that goes back to the conversation we were just having about evidence they will have had something that has raised the probability for them they will have had something that is evidence 
um, you might regard it as not evidence, but maybe actually instead of it being not evidence, it's just bad, unconvincing, and maybe even non-transferable evidence. There are experiences that we have day in and day out that might be good a good evidence for us, but because the experience isn't transferable, all we can do is tell someone about it. They'll go, yeah, whatever, because it's bad evidence to them, but it was good and it was convincing to you. So I think before we yeah. say that, you know, religious folks don't have evidence, I think we need to really sit back, think critically about what evidence is and have a conversation about their evidence. And instead of saying it's not evidence, try and elicit something that is maybe more transferable. Yeah. Like I said, critical thinking is an important thing here, Ham. And again, repeating popular catchphrases like, there is no evidence for such and such. In this case, there's no evidence for God. Yes, that's a popular catchphrase, but it's not entirely true. You might not believe the evidence, you might not consider it evidence, but if you understand the actual term itself and understand what evidence is meant to mean and what it's meant to be, and the fact that there, what's evidence for one person might not be evidence for another, um, and evidence can be a wholly subjective thing, are important things to remember. Uh, nice to have you here, by the way, Steve. Uh, don't catch yeah, you live on stream as well. <laughs> uh, good to have you here. Um, so, <laughs> critical thinking, something we all need to be better at. <laughs> Dunning-Kruger, something Even me. we all need to remember, affects us all, all the time. Um, the next one, Dave, what's the next one that we, you think that we really need to have in our tool belt? Understanding logic, of course, not, not to a super advanced thing. You don't have to be able to write massive 50 line syllogisms, but understanding how logic works in the context of an argument and how inferences are made and how inferences are supposed to follow understanding what a valid argument is, because another popular one is. The column is not a valid argument. Understanding in terms of logic, yes, it is a valid argument. Um, going back to Steve's comment here about love of equivocation, you could say here that there's a sense of equivocation that goes on from a lot of atheists who say that the Kalam isn't a valid argument because they're using the term valid to mean it's not um it's not sound. It's not a good argument. It doesn't come to a proper conclusion. Um, whereas valid in terms of logic just means that the structure follows. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, if some, I often hear if it's not sound, then it's not valid. And <laughs> that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's why um, we actually did a stream on an article I was writing before I'd published it, and it's being published now, about using... Uh, you know, uh, chess, I think it was, to explain how how logic sort of works in a, in a slightly different paradigm. Um, I'm just, what does it mean to be logical? That's the name of the thing. So I'm just going to post that in the chat. If anyone wants like a, a really, really basic overview of like really simplistic logic, it doesn't even go into the rules of logic, I don't think. It just talks about um, what it means to be logical and how it ties into ration rationality um, and, and, you know, talking about how we should learn the rules of logic if we want to regard ourselves 
as as rational in in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Um... But would you say so? The, the the rules of logic, the ones that you would really you you should learn at least is the big three and now there's way more than three rules of logic and there's loads of different types of logic um as well each with their own rule sets so like you've got different types of board games that may be played on a similar board uh they've all got their own rule set and they've all got their own sort of pieces that go on on the uh, on the board as well um but the, the the big three of um of logic uh, love identity, love non-contradiction, and love excluded, excluded middle. middle. Those are the three Aristotelian ones, yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, people might be able to read them and go, well, duh, to, to any of them, because they are quite... They're pretty prima facie, kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe in, in, you know, ancient Greece, that wasn't as obvious. <laughs> maybe because it, we've always been around it, it seems obvious to us. And But I do think anyone could probably reason that way, even if they didn't know those particular rules of logic and what they were called and what they actually meant. They would still know that, uh, as you say, the law of identity, A is A. Uh, this phone is a phone. That's what it is. When I'm talking about this phone, I'm not talking about a light. Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, here's a good example of one. A popular one I've heard recently is a response to the Kalam. Um, that the universe may not have begun to exist. Um, or you have never come into being because the energy that's inside of you has always existed. So if you consider the law of identity, you are not that you are not just that energy from a million years ago. You are a person that has a pretty specific you might be made up of these things, like a chair. A chair isn't the wood it's made up from. The wood it's made up from goes into the identity of the chair, but the chair is still a separate thing. Mm. So yeah, learning some of these yeah, learning some of these might help to understand why some of these might not be the best kind of arguments against what's being made yeah yeah no that's a that's a, a good way to put it um and and, and obviously uh with, with these laws uh sorry with the laws um of logic um you don't necessarily need to know them all either but if you're discussing say a proposition it would be useful to dip your toe into something like propositional logic you don't have to know yeah. all about it, but just a basic overview of how does this work? Uh, in, if if someone presents a syllogistic argument, it might do you good to understand how syllogisms work. You know, and then you won't be making stupid statements like that's not valid. Actually, <laughs> you know, if you understood it, it is valid, but maybe it's not sound. Um, <laughs> so, I mean. Do, do you think someone necessarily needs to do it? Or would you say that in the, in the world that we live in now where technology is at our fingertips and people are getting involved in all of these conversations, that actually when when they start discussing things like propositions, they're actually being irrational by not dipping their toe into the subject in the first place because they may not be aware that there is such a thing as propositional logic, but they could Google, you know, what is a proposition? How do you answer a proposition? So on and so forth, and have these answers come to them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, because that, if you want to call yourself rational, there's practical rationality, which dictates that if you want to know about a subject and you want to consider yourself rational, then you should learn about that subject. Because the only way to know about that subject is to learn about it. And it also brings into the Dunning-Kruger thing again, where most people think that, well, I'm logical, therefore I must know what logic is. <laughs> and uh, there is a lot of people who think logical is just coming to the right conclusion or a conclusion that they would agree with or a conclusion that a skeptic might agree with rather than how the conclusion came about. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking about the... Um... The propositions one again because it is the one that always comes up um and, and you get people moving from actually discussing the attitude towards the proposition they start talking uh, uh well they talk about the belief bit rather than the proposition and obviously the belief is the attitude towards the proposition but they they don't answer the proposition they just give a read of a psychological state so in that regard people who discuss a proposition and only give a read of a psychological state rather than fully answering the proposition, especially if they are aware of propositional logic, um, you would conclude that they're actually not acting rationally. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty standard. If you want to learn about math or you want to say that you know about math, then you should learn about math. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if someone was to say, oh, yeah, well, in, in binary, uh, one plus one is 10. Uh, and you go, no, isn't it? It's two. It's two. Yeah, it's well, just well, it's the no. numbers are different. Yeah. <laughs> and they haven't taken the time to learn. They've already said they're talking about binary. Generally, when people are speaking about maths, it's base 10. So you don't, you well, you ought not need qualify your statement with base 10, although some people are pedantic and will switch yeah. it up if you don't qualify it. Um, <laughs> uh, but if they've said in binary and you think it sounds wrong, but you haven't, you know, the point there is to go, well, what do you mean by in binary if you don't understand? Or to Google. I mean, there are two rational answers to, to that. So they've told you that, you know, one plus one is 10. And you've gone, well, that sounds wrong, but I don't know this binary thing. What is it? Um, and you've got two options there. You can ask them what they mean by it to help you out, to give you a link, or actually Google yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's many ways around these things. And I think it's almost shocking how people are less and less inclined to actually use some of the tools they've got available to them. I mean, it's the number of times I see a, a question that someone could easily just tap into Google and get the answer posted in Facebook or on Twitter. And it's just like, you've literally just used a different text field. You could have just put it there and got your answer. Now I understand it. If you've read an article and you've read a couple of articles or whatever, and you've gone, I have no fucking clue what this means. Can someone help me understand this? I sort of understand this bit. I think it means this. Am I right? But, you know, you've done, you've gone as far as you can and you're stuck. That's fine. But there are so many questions. People just want all the knowledge given to them. And then sometimes what you might do is try and give it to them, but it's really complicated, especially if it's in a place like Twitter. You can't do it in the messages, so you might give them a link. Why can't you just tell me here? <laughs> because it's complicated. 
this does not fit into 280 characters. If you want an accurate answer, then you need to read something else. Or I can give you a video or a podcast or anything like that. This is a, a complicated topic. Um, <laughs> people just want those, you know, memes and catchphrases. Yeah. Catchphrases are easier. And I think this is where the complication of language and psychology comes in. In that if we think about language as a kind of a t-shirt, um, we often wear things to express our identity. And for some words may, might express that identity and they fit into a group that they identify with. So they use the words that that group uses because that portrays their identity too. And I think that makes things kind of complicated as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, tribalism and in-group, out-group biases um, are a big, big issue everywhere, really. I mean, we all suffer them. You, you yeah. know, going going through school and everything, you have them. Um, politics, They're hardwired religion. in our brain. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, a survival trait. So yeah. it... it, it it makes sense that they're there, but that's also why when you're not repeating the catchphrases of your group, you you get othered because you're questioning, yeah. oh, you get people saying, we're not dogmatic. Well, if you're not dogmatic, why don't you question this? <laughs> because it is what it is. It is what, yeah. Uh... <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's another thing. If you want to think about rationality and you want to call yourself rational, you should be learning about the cognitive biases. And by that, I don't mean just being able to name them, um, because that seems to be a big thing. If you can name something, then you understand it. But that's not true. It's the same with fallacies. Just because you can name a fallacy doesn't necessarily mean that you understand what the fallacy is, how it's used, how it comes about in arguments and that kind of thing. So as a tool of rationality, understanding what cognitive biases and fallacies are beyond being able to name them is an important thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's <laughs> quite often you, you do see people just shouting fallacy. And the, the, the one I see more often than not is someone saying straw man. And what they mean is, I don't agree with that. <laughs> and that's not what a straw man argument is. And you quite often say, so where's the straw man? And they come back and they say, oh, well, you've said this thing. And and you're like, right. And how is that a straw man? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, ah, Steve's, Steve's put uh, a question in. And his original one, I was going to say, we might leave for the AMA. But he's tied it in to the actual topic of the night. So I'm going to do it um but before i do that and Frida said black swan fallacy <laughs> i've heard is... that used a lot recently yeah um i've heard that actually used as an argument against the kalam saying that the kalam is a black swan fallacy. <laughs> that's ridiculous <laughs> but yeah the, i mean the black swan fallacy isn't really even a fallacy <laughs> it's an informal one yeah but it, even then, it it's not used like they a lot of people think. It's like um, people argue that the everything that begins to exist has a cause for exist, existence is a black swan fallacy. Um, 
because we haven't seen everything that there is to know. So we can't know that everything has a cause. But the black swan fallacy would be more like everything we have encountered has a cause. So therefore, everything must have have a cause. But that's not the argument being made in that statement. Um, it's just saying all the things that we have encountered are represent are represented by X. So therefore, X seems to be the case. Now, if you're arguing that that statement, that premise from the Kalam is a black swan fallacy, then you're also kind of arguing that science is a black swan fallacy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because science is built on induction. I mean, the black swan fallacy is basically just a warning against inductive reasoning. Just because it's worked before doesn't mean it will work again. So It will always work, yeah. Yeah. So make sure that you always, if, if what, the main thing you're going on is inductive reasoning, make sure that you're aware that you're talking about, well, it'll probably be this way rather than it'll definitely be this way. That's the simplest way to do it, uh, to, to explain it. Um, so uh, going back to Steve's comment, he says, uh, is identity politics rational? I don't know enough about identity politics to be able to... And mostly it would be based on the agent themselves who is arguing the identity politics, why they are arguing the identity politics, the argument used to support it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so in that regard, it it could be. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's kind of a difficult question. Maybe uh, but again, I don't know enough about identity polit politics to be able to um, answer that question in a good enough way. Yeah, fair enough. Steve, is this a, a topic you know enough about and do you want to come on and discuss it with us in the future? Teach us a thing or two. Uh, we'd be happy to have that conversation in the future if you'd like to uh, have it with us. Uh, Luke is having an aubergine katsu curry. <laughs> I thought everybody out there would be interested in that. <laughs> I had a pizza. <laughs> I made a uh, satay chicken stir fry. Uh, Manny uh, says, uh, or when someone says ad hominem, uh, like it defeats your whole argument. Uh, yes, that's another good example, especially as most people get the ad hom wrong. Um, they they confuse a simple insult with an ad hom. And one thing to remember about fallacies is it doesn't necessarily mean that the conclusion is wrong. It just means that the, the argument isn't particularly well structured. Um, your reasoning isn't particularly good. So uh, as we mentioned at the start with rationality, just because you don't reason in a rational way uh, doesn't mean that you uh, are wrong and, and vice versa. If you do reason rationally, you could still end up in the wrong place. You've just got the wrong data or not enough data in front of you, but you can still rationally reason your way through the data and get to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, Brent brings up a good point though, saying that sometimes it's better to describe the fallacy rather than just say the name of the fallacy. Uh, most of the time they don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. We've had this conversation a few times um, on stream, haven't we? Where instead of talking about yeah. it, you, you sort of ask questions and try and say, well, how do you get from here to here that, you know, and try and draw, join the dots for them and make them realize that, ah, actually there's this problem here, this problem here. And because you've had a good conversation, because it's been been a respectful conversation uh they're more inclined to listen and reconsider their position and go 
Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've even had it here where we sometimes have uh, the odd troll come on and, you know, spam the comments and, and things like that. It, you, you see everybody's attitude change and they get shut down. They might actually have a good point, but what they're doing is they're, you know, being insulting and dismissive and, and so on and so forth. And everybody just switches off to them and they stop listening. And you know, <laughs> um, Yeah. But I mean, doing what Brent says as well is better because it shows that you actually understand the fallacy and why the re why the fallacy highlights the bad reasoning of that particular stance. Um, being able to name an ad hominem doesn't really tell you anything about whether or not they have truly understand understood that reasoning or why that reasoning is bad. <laughs> and I mean, I, you see, you kind of see it a lot, like. Um, if they if somebody is religious then they can't be rational or if you're religious then you can't really be a scientist Th those are ad hominems <laughs> so i'm just catching up with the chat <laughs> um so let's let's move on from fallacies i mean they do tie in to um rationality and, and and as you say they're they, they're good to know and truly understand but they're also good to describe rather than just shouting fallacy yeah um and and as you say it shows their your, your understanding of them and, and you know you can have a better conversation off the back of it and perhaps help someone enhance their reasoning better you know in make the process yeah. you might make them have a stronger argument and you might have a better discussion or they might realize that their argument wasn't that strong at all and they have to go back and think about things uh but either way it seems like you're you're going to be in a better place than just going fallacy yeah <laughs> uh, the worst is the argument of ignorance not ignorant <laughs> <laughs> So are there any other important tools that you think? I mean, I know I know there's a ton um uh, that that we can we can discuss, but also I know we're going to have the AMA uh for for your birthday sort of thing. So uh I'm I'm trying to keep things as as short as possible so we can switch oh, to no, that. It's, it's, we can have a proper discussion and then just throw that in at the end. So okay. don't worry. Um okay, another important one for the rationality toolkit is to learn this. If P then Q P, therefore Q. <laughs> yes. The modus ponens and modus tollens as well. Yeah, but I think that was modus ponens, yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. The other ones if P then Q, not Q then not P. Therefore Is that not it? P. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny, they're they're uh, even when you learn some of this stuff. When when you're in the middle of a conversation, you're like your brain can freeze and you go, "See, I do know this, but fuck." <laughs> right I now, it's just brain. <laughs> but it's it's the same thing, like with symbolic logic. And I I have a, a quick reference for the various bits because other than some of the basic symbols, um, it, it it's uh that they don't stick in my head. So when I'm reading someone's argument that's uh, logical, um, then. <laughs> Uh, I sometimes have to go, oh, hang on, what's this one mean? And what's this one mean? I know the rest, but uh, but there's no harm in I that. I do. Again, we've got the tools at our disposal. If the me being rational in that case is going, ah, oh, hang on, I know I've got this guide here which has what all of these ones mean, I'm going to use it so I can translate what this argument says. 
what would be irrational was going, I don't understand that, so therefore it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have Philip to ask, so <laughs> this is true. we have even easier, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Luke, you're more than welcome to jump on for the AMA. Um, we did say earlier, anybody who wants to, to jump on um, when we're going to do the AMA is is free to do it. It's, it's all questions at Dave, though. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea is to make him feel as awkward as possible. <laughs> so just my general day-to-day -day demeanor <laughs> so i mean that ties back into to logic again to getting an understanding of logic um so your modus ponens modus tollens um yes philip you are the logic guy that's who you are now in you know 20, 30 years, I expect you to have really long white hair and be called Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, moving on from, from logic, though, because obviously the, the, we could spend <laughs> forever discussing things yeah. in logic that we need, to, we need to learn and improve on. Um, what would you say is a is another good one that that we really need in our tool belt? I've got one. A little bit of humbleness. The you know uh, removing your ego from the equation and accepting that you can be wrong. I mean that ties into the original Dunning Kruger point that you said at the beginning. But I think if if you can uh, approach every situation with the idea that you're you might be wrong in your understanding. You might be more willing to learn what about this thing. Again, I suppose that ties back into the critical thinking as well, but it's talking more about uh, an attitude um, which can then influence those skills to come through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. So Luke says, uh, Philip is Mr. Logic. Luke is Mr. Psych. Dave, Mr. Philosophy. And Joe, Mr. Computer. <laughs> <laughs> Dave says it's like a remake of Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> a really bad remake. Yeah. <laughs> it's the educational remake of the Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> That's it, though. I think we need to create that intro. Uh, <laughs> at some point, we all need to get in front of a green screen and do the walk. <laughs> And that can be our new intro as we would start the show. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. Yeah, it would. At the moment, all we've got is just a countdown. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we could do something a bit more interesting than that. Yeah, I'm no good at any of that. Maybe by the time I finish my first year of computing. Oh, well, all you need to do is walk in front of a green screen. I'm sure you can walk. I mean, not very well, but, you know, yeah. your age. <laughs> I am old. You have to remember these things. Walking is more difficult. And fat. You know, that just adds more to the actual complication of it. Yeah, and, and then there's the fact that we need a green screen and a camera. Um, <laughs> oh, it's getting difficult. Yeah, let's just keep to our regular intro. We have a dancing trump and a nodding cat. <laughs> So would you say there were any other big ticket items 
that you think that we need to to focus on tonight? I know that we could go further and further into into rationality and other tools, and if anyone wants to uh, discuss them um further you know just ask any questions in the comments or jump onto our discord and we will cover off these things in more detail uh we're more than willing to do that um but obviously we don't want to spend too much time going over uh you know the same sort of thing if it's not what you're interested in right now uh i suppose there is one more thing that people ought to consider um and that's the actual rationality debate itself um, in that there's two camps and th- this will get us back to the sort of understanding that you can have a distinction between a rational conclusion and an irrational person coming to believe something. So in the rationality debate, there's kind of two camps. There's the pessimist camp and the optimist camp. The optimist camp argues that we are capable of being rational. Um, We have our flaws, and we are not always rational, so tiredness might give us performance errors, which stop us reaching rational conclusions. We just might not be good thinkers because of cognitive biases, but we we can be as rational as we can be. Um, And then there's the pessimist camp, that argues that because of these cognitive biases and errors and thinking that are common to our brain, humans are not capable of being rational. No matter how rational you think you are, according to the strict rules of rationality and logic and probability theory, you're not going to be rational. So understanding the actual rationality debate can help with understanding rationality. Mm. I I quite often hear... um many atheists take the pessimistic route that we're not rational creatures at all. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I I don't think I would either. I'd say that we, I think that we can be rational. I think that there's just a lot uh, it, stopping us from being rational. Um, and a lot uh, of people don't live up to their potential because they're affected by certain cognitive biases and certain errors in thinking and like the Dunning-Kruger effect and things like that. Yeah, and emotions and, are a big one that I think overtake yeah. um, us, especially if you're angry. It really stops you thinking. Uh, you, you know, you become incredibly animalistic and uh, purely reactive. Um, Steve, nice to have you here. See you soon. Cheers, um, Steve. But yes, in regards to that, it's so I think there's a lot of things that actually stop us from being as rational as we can be, especially on a on a day to day basis. Um, but it, it's like why I don't think uh, emotivism is the whole story with morality, because I think that there is a rational process and there might be the initial bit which started with emotivism. And we, you know, we didn't like that. We do like that. And, you know, but then you start thinking about it because there are things that we might not like, but then we have our rational process and go, but actually there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't like that. You override, you know, your likes. And that's uh, that's the thing. I think morality has, has come on further than that. I think emotivism speaks to a younger version of the species, you know, man, before we could 
think as rationally uh, as as we do now. Yeah, and you know, um, when it comes to language, language is kind of the limits of our thought, as the philosophers said. Um, if we don't know the word for something, or we only know a particular definition of something, when we hear somebody else state something, we don't hear what they've said. We hear what our language translates to us for. So um, if I say um, beliefs can be based on evidence um, and you hold the definition that beliefs are just some, some proposition that we hold to be true, you will, ex you will agree with that. But if you're def if the only definition you have is beliefs are things that we think are true without evidence, then you won't understand what's being said and the limits of your understanding will be curtailed by your lack of understanding of the definitions. So again, language limits our thought as well. So when we come across new definitions, especially from people who are learned on a subject or who present somebody with, well, look, this is how it's used in, say, academia. This is how a word is used in psychology. This is how a word is used in science. You should adopt that terminology and learn what that terminology means instead of saying, well, no, I just use colloquial definitions so that you, that person doesn't know what they're talking about because I'm coming <laughs> from a colloquial. You see what I mean? It limits, it limits where you can go with that thinking. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, uh, definitely understand that. I've, I've been guilty of it myself in the past, if I'm honest. Um, I have, and yeah, that you quite often can can see it happening, especially online. Well, that's not what it means. Well, no, this even if you specify, there's a number of different ways this word can be used. Um, so actually, uh, there's this definition and this definition. I had had one of these discussions in our. You know, debate group. I said, you know, the, uh, we're talking about the definition of atheism. It comes up from time to time, usually because I stir the pot. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you know, there's there, there it, it's granted that it's polysemous. There's these different, you know, um, definitions for atheism. But why do you prefer this one over that one? And so many of the responses, because that's what it is. It's like, <laughs> but but it's that's not the only definition of it. And in fact, what you're doing there is uh, using a poor understanding of the the, uh, the etymological root and how the word is constructed and how it's been used over the years. Um, and there's more specific positions that describe different thoughts. So what I'm asking is, because oh, language is a communication tool <laughs> and the idea is to convey ideas. And I can understand using a, a, you know, a broad term if that's the only definition you use. But if you learn of more concise terms... Why would you prefer, you know, to stay with the the broad usage? What is it that you like about this term? That's what it is. <laughs> and you're just like you're not actually answering why you prefer it. That's all I wanted to know. Why you would prefer to use this particular definition? Now, someone could have said, "Well, most of my conversations about this is online, and that's how the term is considered online. So that's how I tend to use the term." That would have been an answer that would have been acceptable. Uh, yeah. but, but I didn't get any of those answers. I got two kinds of answers. I got the kind of answers where people were like, 
as I at the first kind that I mentioned, well, that's just what it is. That's what atheism is, so on and so forth, and just repeating it over and over. And you got the other people who were on the side of the more concise definitions of uh, types of non-theist, rather than conflating non-theist with atheist, who did manage to give ideas about why this might be the case. But all the people that used that definition of atheism held onto it so tightly. And, uh, yeah, it's a strange phenomenon, but I suppose that ties back into, uh, you know, the, the inability to think critically about this particular thing and going along the realms of, of, you know, tribalism. Well, that's what the other people in the tribe say it is. So if that's what they say it is, then this is what it must be. <laughs> yeah. And I'm willing to let go of those biases and actually have a conversation about it. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of those people will probably also argue something like words don't words have usages they however the word is used is whatever it means but then also say well if it's being used differently it's being used wrong (laughs) (laughs) which sort of ties back into the rationality thing in that a lot of people hold contradictory beliefs and if when they come across a contradictory belief they don't explore it they don't question it they don't do anything like that they just hold on to it they compartmentalize these answers um so that one is used in one particular circumstance and one is used in another rather than assessing what they believe and checking to make sure it's coherent and consistent which is another kind of thing that people should use and it's one you've heard me mention lots and we've done a stream on it And that's Cartesian skepticism. Not the whole thing, but the idea of breaking down your beliefs and looking at why you believe these things, understanding where the belief formulated, why the belief formulated, what the belief is, and then checking to see if it's consistent with other beliefs. This is a hard undertaking. It's, you know, it it is. It's a hard undertaking. We don't always have access to all of our beliefs, and we don't always understand all of our beliefs. But it's an important place to start if you want to consider yourself rational. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, there's actually uh, an article Dave wrote about that as well. Um, Descartes and you or something, isn't it? I can't remember. Rationality, Descartes and you or something? Cart- yeah, Descartes, Skepticism and you or something like that. Yeah. And we've done a stream on it and we've done a podcast on it. So there's, there's It's something a, I bring up a lot. Yeah, and it's something that's really useful. Um Thinking about it, the 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 way you were describing uh, these contradictory beliefs and things like that, I've I've noticed conversations. I mean, especially ones that you've had with certain people on Twitter, where the conversation has has moved on, and then each tweet is almost like they've forgotten what they said in the previous tweet, and they're answering all each time. They just aren't arguing against your previous tweet. They're being uh, contradictory. To, to what you're saying rather than actually thinking about what they're saying or holding a uh, consistent position they're contradicting themselves every every step of the way and even if you point it out to them they then have another excuse for that and that doesn't mean that and that, 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 that rather than using cartesian skepticism and actually taking things back and going oh hang on i've got a problem here this doesn't match up with that yeah, and to be honest, I'm, I mean, this is sort of armchair psychologizing, but I think for a lot of people, the goal isn't to have good arguments or good thinking skills or good clarity or anything like that. 
The goal is simply to win the argument set in front of them. Yeah. So contradictions don't mean anything so long as you're winning the argument. <laughs> and you're winning the argument uh, the whole time that you've got the last message. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. It, I quite often let those sorts of people win. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's half the reason I walk away from most conversations. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I've been uh, quite vacant in, uh, especially on Twitter and various debate groups. I've only recently been having a couple of conversations, even in our in our one, because I'm tired of the way a lot of the conversations go and the the, the way people are really tightly wound around a position rather than wanting to have a conversation. I'd much rather just you know, do one of these streams. They're far more interesting to me. I'd rather spend my time yeah. having this sort of discussion, having the people in the chat asking their questions and interacting with us in this way. It's it's a lot more rewarding for me, a lot more fulfilling. That's one of the reasons I'm kind of looking forward to the discussion with Twisted Tippy. Oh, yeah. Because I know it'll be a discussion like this. And it's why I love chatting to people like Philip, because they're discussions like this. Speaking of discussions, uh, are you ready for your little AMA? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Cool. So, I mean... Uh, if anyone does want to join us, you can jump on now. Um, I'm going to quickly change the permissions on the sci-fi uh, channel, if I can remember how. Uh <laughs> Alt F4. <laughs> Don't, I did that last week. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. <laughs> uh, so let me quickly go... Right, I've now given the permission to uh, all of our regulars and guests. Um, but if anyone out there does want to join us, I can put you in the um, sci-fi uh, guest as a one-off as well. Um, so just to tie things up on, on rationality before we move on, we've discussed how rationality sort of works um, and how it people can only be as rational as they can be. So I mentioned right at the very beginning, Dave, this uh, sort of absolute scale of rationality, these things that you had to fill to be able to be rational, these tools you had to do uh, use in a certain way, and you had to be, say, 90% rational in this scale to be considered rational. You couldn't be 20%. Um, even if 20% was your upper limit, you have to hit this target. What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not sure I could put a scale on it. I'm, I mean, I suppose you could say if you're hitting the 90%, you're more rational and you're using the tools better. If you're only hitting 20%, then you're still at least being rational. Um, maybe not as rational as you could be, like you said. Um, but it's not really absolutist like that hello. um hello luke um but yeah i i suppose i would say rather than the scale if you're being irrational you're being irrational so if you think that square circles can exist because you can redefine square to mean circle and circle to mean square um, then you're probably not being rational. You're just misunderstanding the thing and you're not thinking critically or thinking rationally. You're thinking to answer an argument. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say that there's an absolute scale. You can only be as rational as you can be. So as it, as it is more relative. Yeah, yeah. So it, if your upper limit 
of this imaginary scale, your upper limit was 20% and you were hitting that 20%, you would be You're being rational. as rational as you can be, yeah. Yeah, and that as is how as rationality you're... is. It's more of a relative thing. Yeah. It's how you think rather than what you think. So even if you've got, you know, like we mentioned right at the beginning, if you've got erroneous data, then that doesn't mean that you're uh, not thinking rationally. You have might have made uh, a conclusion that is wrong or an irrational conclusion, but your thought process could be rational in getting there. <laughs> yeah. Philip says he to always ask according to whom to achieve peak rationality. <laughs> Oh, Philip. You should get on here too. <laughs> yeah, Philip, get on here. Yeah. How's it I'm going? here. Hello. It's going well. I, this isn't obviously not the computer that is broken. This is my laptop. I was just about to say, so yeah. The camera's a bit funny. Yeah. I've, I have to make do. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that. And I've moved my office around. So this is, but this is the what was the left side of the office. <laughs> I had the desk in front of the window. But I've moved it all around now. So. <laughs> I mean, we'll take you any way we can get you, baby. So. Did <laughs> <laughs> you see this in the background? Hulk hitting Surtur in the face? Is it? What? <laughs> Thor oh, Ragnarok? Yeah. A friend painted that for me. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, she did a good job. You need to bring it in a little bit closer. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not taking it down. There's a, there's a cable that's like on balanced on top of it. <laughs> well, that's not using practical rationality. I've got, when, when my, you can my lift the laptop up. Done, I've got one of these ones. It's all got like cables in it, like my mic cable and oh, what's that? Oh, that's two parts of it. Oh, you've got one of those like canvases that is like yeah. multiple parts. That's, that's... cool. Uh, Shenron, and this is Goku in the bottom corner on his little cloud. I was going to say, it's just an evil-looking, never-ending story. <laughs> that is all Dragon Ball Z was. <laughs> I used to love never-ending story. Except for the horse bear. Oh, my God. My heart. Find oh, yeah, the sadness, Artics! <laughs> it's a tar bear, isn't it? Just to show you how old I actually am, I saw a never-ending story in the cinema. Oh, my God. How are you still alive? <laughs> Just about hanging on, as you can see by the hairline. How old are you today, Dave? 75. Uh, no. No. I'm say, that 50. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that old, is it? Not anymore. <laughs> so it's the new it's the new 30. <laughs> my 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 nutsack isn't overly wrinkly. So, you know, I can't consider myself that old. Do you moisturize? Because mine is. <laughs> I am so sweaty, I'm naturally moisturized. That's what comes from being fat. Speaking of being fat, what was your birthday meal? Pizza, delivered by Uber Eats. Uh, what, what pizza did you get? Are either of you vegetarians? Well, he is. <laughs> yeah, I had a meat feast with extra bacon. <laughs> and I imagine the suffering of the animals while I ate it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that murder. <laughs> Wasn't my first. <laughs> you saw the meme. At least you own it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, 
HS, how are you doing? You've just joined into uh, the bit where we've just started doing an AMA for um, Dave. So if you want to jump on um, and uh, ask him as many awkward questions as you as you like, feel free. <laughs> so I joined an AMA and I don't even have any questions ready. Uh, that's just that's just terrible. Make something I don't even up. Have any answers ready? <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you up to today, Luke? Let's make it a Luke AM. Work. Oh. No, no, let's not. <laughs> but yeah, just work. Work. It's been busy. It's been busy. Yeah, which is part of the reason why I've been a bit uh, the ground recently. Other than my computer being absolute dog shit. Is it the Mac? Work is the other thing. I'm just worn out. Hmm? Is the computer that's knackered the Mac? Yeah, which is a not great because it's not like I can. Yeah, it's not <laughs> easily replaceable. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I tell you what, though, not good, so I can't get anything on finance. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, uh, though, there's a site called Excess uh, Only that do really banging refurbs. Um, I got uh, an Azus Zenbook. Uh, God, I can't about five years ago, and it's absolutely blinding. Um, as a computer, uh, apart from the fact that I stepped on it whilst I was drunk. But it still works. I just had to turn the touchscreen off. Um, but it was a laptop that should have cost about 1400 And it, I got it for 600 because uh, it was still within, it, you know, it, it was one of those new refurbs that had gone back sort of thing really quickly. So check it out because I know they do Apple devices on there as well if that's, you know, the you want to be completely evil. Um, don't, I don't... I used to really care about Apple and um, I don't think I do so much because they're making their stuff even more inaccessible. <laughs> they're getting rid of USB ports, they're getting rid of SD card ports, they're getting rid of <laughs> HDMI ports. Like, what? <laughs> like, I cannot I cannot handle that. So now I think that my next computer I'm just going to switch to uh, a normal kind of computer and and kind of because because you can get stuff that like i just need it for photo editing that's the main thing and video editing and uh, you know you can get that off of a um a, half decent a, pc Windows computer yeah so yeah i mean i would say build one yourself but actually with the way the market is at the moment um it used oh, you to can't be get a graphics card so well, you, you can get some um the you can get a 3070 ti at the moment if you wanted um but with building it it used to be so much cheaper um you could basically get a three grand computer for about a grand but i actually did a like for like custom build the other day and how much the computer would cost me to build myself and have a company do it and it cost about the same for me to build it myself plus i didn't get like the five-year warranty and i was like okay oh, yeah, well <laughs> but yeah i also couldn't afford it because i couldn't afford three grand for a computer uh unfortunately um so dave there is a question that's coming and i know you're you're responding to it in the chat but uh let, let's have it out there because it is supposed to be an ama for you uh why aren't you a vegetarian dave <laughs> i have a bunch of food allergies um including loads of vegetables and wheat. And so I still eat some meat. Vegetables? Like, I'm allergic to onions and things like celery, and really? and I'm allergic to wheat. Oh, I've heard of celery, yeah. I've heard of that one. Yeah. And I, I, I get in uh, a lot of pain. when I, Like, I've been hospitalized because of eating wheat. So, yeah, because you're also a celiac, aren't you? Celiac, yeah. 
So yeah, that and- sounds like an excuse to me. <laughs> <laughs> You'd actually be so surprised. I mean, when when Katie and I uh, did Veganuary, uh, just to see if we if we could. Um, there's there's Philip. He's coming. Excellent. Hello, Philip. Uh, let me just get rid of the name. Hello. Um, the team's back together. Yeah. So when we we actually did uh, did Veganuary, um, the wife can't have uh, uh, gluten. Um, and I actually struggle with uh, starchy carbs. And we also found that the wife can't handle um, uh, like legumes, like various beans and things like that. So if you take out starchy carbs, <laughs> right, and you take out bread, <laughs> you, and, and you take out the legumes, which pretty much all the curries are made with, <laughs> you, you're left with broccoli and kale. And <laughs> that's basically all we <laughs> could eat. Um, yeah, and and it did make it very very difficult. We we did find a service to which did some meals and we got some ideas for meals and things like that. Um, but it it is uh it's very 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 difficult when you've got any sort of food allergy or intolerance to go completely that way. Uh, I mean, I actually eat um like my 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 breakfast and lunch are usually either vegetarian or vegan as standard. I tend to only have like meat or fish as my evening meal. So I do try and reduce my meat consumption, but I can't just live, <laughs> and, and especially the wife. Um, it, it's really difficult and expensive, so expensive to to do it. More money than we have, unfortunately. It's the same thing, like in this country, like taking out the the allergies and, and veganism. It's actually um, cheaper to eat junk food. You know, you, yeah, you I mostly it. live on chocolate and nachos. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah, but like you can get a big bag of of chips, like uh, you know, for a pound, uh, and you know your equivalent, and that that can last you probably well, me one meal, but the average person at least four to six meals, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, yeah we go through like three bags of chips a month oh nice i'm jealous i try not to eat them when i when i well because my body doesn't like the starchy carbs but i try to do uh i I cut up a sweet potato into um that i seem to be better with sweet potato um manny has a question for you dave he says what is the answer to the trolley problem Put more laxiests on the track and do multi-track drifting. Seems <laughs> <laughs> like a good answer to me. Yeah, that's that is the answer. That is that is it. This is why you are trolley Dave. I mean, it's not actually why it's trolley Dave, but it is now. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> How you doing, Philip? Nice to have you here. I'm very well at the moment. So if, yeah, it's it's very nice to be finally on stream again. Yeah, it's, a it's bit been better. a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely much better. I still have a cough, but apart from that, it's it's pretty much over. Thankfully, like that was yeah. that was unpleasant. Yeah, thankfully, but it was a relief when you got the test results back. Yeah, yeah, that that, that would have been really really unfortunate. Like I, I didn't want to go through that. 
not because I was particularly scared or some or anything like that, but it just would have been like more yeah. than you need. Yeah. Yeah. More, yeah. And, yeah, and, and I was just mentally ready to to leave it behind me, like with the vaccine and everything. So it was just such a weird thing to to have to think about that again, like that. I just wasn't expecting it. So yeah. And I see that now the fever has broken, that you've uh, lost yeah, some now, of your powers, yeah, and uh, yeah. Dave yeah. is stable on stream again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, hello. Ooh. Hello, Jack. Hey, <laughs> your boy. How are you doing? It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while, especially with like all of us here. This is great. Yeah. This yeah. never happens. Ah, the last I feel like we're the about to will. break out into a discussion about free will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Did you choose to be Sorry. here? <laughs> no, I was bullied. <laughs> Oh, look at you with all your stuff moving around in the back and boxes and half packed. Yeah, well, no. So we basically, this is my temporary office, which is is a bedroom, um, because we're we're going to be doing a garage conversion, um, but we can't quite afford it at the moment. We're we're nearly there, so hopefully in August we'll be able to undertake the garage conversion. It's going to be my office slash gym. Um, but at the moment, it's got all the storage, uh, all the stuff in storage as well. Which Does that mean uh, we're going to get workout streams? If, you, <laughs> if, if just you personally, <laughs> only fan. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> Will your gym fix it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I used to occasionally post the odd like workout I was doing on. Um, on Instagram, um, and I sometimes do a, a story of my achievement of the day, just to to say, yeah, I've got to go. Um, oh, Brent, you've got to go too. <laughs> uh, have yourself a good one, Brent. Thanks for joining us. Um, Take it easy, Brent. But yeah, I don't I don't post post the full workouts anymore. I, I don't think anyone really cares. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> for you, Joe, do it for me. I, I I will. I'll give you a private stream. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you'd want it at the moment. I've put on a lot of weight out. again. Yeah, I'll leave you two along. <laughs> I have as well, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. I have not been. Since I moved, I haven't worked out once. Well, I maybe worked out oh. one time and then I hated it. Out of the habit. <laughs> Uh, let's but do a group workout that? stream. Yeah, did you choose? <laughs> I choose not to. Is Joe's gonna become all of our personal trainers? That's how it goes. That's fine with me. We'll get on the Discord and we'll jump around together. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically I'm what melting. my workout was today. I am melting here. It is hot and muggy and gross. Is it nice where you guys are? It's actually it hot and muggy and gross. Abolish the summer, please. It's horrible yeah. and rainy here today, but this room is so small that I am. It's still 80 degrees, though. <laughs> so yeah. everybody's just having a bad time in their yes. spaces. Like, I turned off my fan so that way it wouldn't be blowing during while I was in here, but. 
<laughs> Everything sucks. Okay, cool. Noted. Uh, so yeah. Can we please get somebody on the global warming thing? That'd be nice. Yeah. Summer is evidence of the problem of evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw a funny um, picture of uh, it, I think it's Bart, and he's like, "It's the hottest summer ever," and then Homer says, "It's the coldest summer you'll you'll have ever again." So it's like going forward, it's gonna, this is the coldest summer we'll have for a long time. Oh no! So, it just so reminds me of with the the blowtorch on the on the world so they made a machine in like the antarctic or whatever that makes giant icebergs like into hexagons i don't know if it's real i assume it is and just to try and refreeze the (laughs) antarctic hexagonal icebergs i've i've not heard of this at all i mean uh, Why? It's the first question. I googled Antarctic hexagon machine, an ice-making mimnus mini submarines. Yeah, it's a submarine. Yeah. Okay, okay so that's kind of right. cool. Ice-making yeah. ice-making mini submarines is the latest idea to refreeze the Arctic. Oh damn it! It's an idea, but it looks so real in the picture. <laughs> I mean, I'd be I don't happy know what picture you were looking at, but uh, I would the like amount of energy. It would take to to freeze that much water, and it would just like surely it would just cancel itself out. Or are they using green energy to make to to run the submarine? Wind energy, maybe, or water <laughs> might work. I don't know. Or what's the maybe net if result? you could find like if there's a current running under there that you could take oh, yeah. out of, that would be decent. Yeah. Nuclear energy is not really that bad. Yeah, but no, I'm it's really good. Yeah. The problem, problem, with the problem is the explosions. Well, the nuclear explosions are a little bit different from a nuclear plant exploding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. I think people get uh, get really uh, worried about that that sort of thing. They don't. That's like, like I... the thing with the Hindenburg, right? We should absolutely have have uh, Hindenburgs. There should be Zeppelins. We should be in a world where, like, intercity travel isn't done on roads with traffic, like, at least not public transit. There should, there ought to be, like, public transit that is just a Zeppelin going from, like, major city to major city in, in, like, a location or an area. So, like, if you're, I don't know, like, what's near New York that's a big city also in New York? Something like that, that you would... You would be taking those, and we should have those, but we don't have them because of just the sheer amount of damage that got caused by one of them blowing up because it landed in the city and burned everything to the ground. <laughs> so we should ha- each have a personal Zeppelin. Also that, that'd be cool, yeah. I would have a little Zeppelin bike. It only hovers like maybe two stories up and it's just zooming along. That'd be cool. Or maybe just like a trebuchet and hang glider. Just, oh just that would also be cool. I'm down for that. There's a trebuchet in every like local park, and it will fling you to the other side of the city. I spent weeks looking at trebuchet memes. <laughs> I love them. They're so good. Instead of having like, a that you have, that's giving you additional weight, you have like the wingy one. I was what? Okay, so I was watching like some of those like I'm 900 pound videos. And they get they end up getting like the surgery to get the the additional skin removed, right? And I'm like, listen, somebody's gonna have the idea soon enough to instead, yes, sew the skin together instead of removing it, so you have bat gliders. <laughs> That's awesome. It's a super. Think it in like then. 
tattooed and shit. <laughs> you can um, you can like insert some like metal rods to act like you know, like the in the bat wings they have the, the hand bones. Yeah, they got the like the additional one. Do that to just to, just to add the the stability. Yeah. You could even just add it to like your ring finger, so you can actually move it around if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of comments from the chat. Um, Brandon says, "What kind of heat is everyone complaining about?" Because 110 is warm for Arizona in the summer. So fuck off. I don't know what 110 is actually. Um, I, I can't translate from Fahrenheit, but I assume it's relatively warm. Isn't it like 45 or something? Okay. So yeah. That, 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 oh, there you go. Forty-three point three 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 three. Yeah, that is that is that is definitely uh, hot. It's hot. Uh, yes. I mean, but it's I, dry. But it's dry in Arizona. So that's better than uh, a humid heat, definitely. Yeah, um, much better. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I actually like. It, I actually like the summer when I'm outside in like a shorts and t-shirt or shorts and vest oh i can be in a swimming pool i don't like it when i'm inside because in this country you don't even have aircon it's not a thing here so it gets really 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 muggy and it's really unpleasant um that's why when it oh, just give you another excuse to go in the shop i just looked at the humidity and it's at 86 percent ouch that's not Where? pleasant where I am. practically drink Ooh. yeah <laughs> yeah it's the air is just like water <laughs> yeah the air is soup it's it's 74 degrees fahrenheit which is 23 degrees celsius but that doesn't have like the, there's the it feels like one so i'm just gonna what's the it feels like yeah 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 i understand there's thunderstorm warnings shut up i don't care <laughs> you need a storm thunderstorms are good unless Unless you're in a place where oh. there's tornadoes, <laughs> then they're not good. Yeah. But I, I, I've been to Florida one time. It's like and... 33, so it's like 96 in Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah. Rain is so it weird. Sorry. Rain in America is so weird, because it just rains, warm rain, for like two minutes really hard, and suddenly it's really sunny again, and then you're dry within like two seconds. It depends where you are. Um, then my experience of Florida in the summer, because I heard you mention Florida a second ago. Yeah, that's yeah, the only experience of America I've had. It was pretty <laughs> much... I've been there three or four times, and it was about 2, 2.30 every single day. It would rain for about 20 minutes, but so much rain, all the cars would stop on the road because it was so heavy you couldn't see anything. And then, as you say, it would then suddenly be sunny again and you'd be dry within minutes. Um, absolutely crazy. But I guess that's that's to do with how hot and humid it is out there. It happens here sometimes as well. Really? Uh, it's weird. Yeah, but it's it's it, it, you would think it's a good thing because it, you would think it cools stuff down, but it actually is quite unpleasant because it, it just evaporates and then it's even more humid and it's like unbearable very quickly if it doesn't rain for you. For an extensive I'm already getting a headache from the pressure change. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Remember when I lived in Michigan, it, it was more that you had two seasons there. You you had winter and you had about this much snow <laughs> and you had summer, but you're around the Great Lakes. So it was pure humid <laughs> humidity. Well, we like to we like to joke about it in Canada because like I'm not too far from Michigan, like Michigan, the state and Michigan, the lake. But it's it's you have winter and you have construction season. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Uh, how You're far just constructing are you from, uh, in oh, soup. Oh, no, that might be Doxy. We don't need to say that. I was going to ask, how far are you from don't Michigan? Don't dox me, bro. No. Awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. dox me, bro. If we, if we tell that, so there'll suddenly be someone looking for you and they'll be able to find you because they can see the leaf just outside your window and all of a sudden can work out from how far you are from Michigan and that skyline and... Uh, oh. <laughs> There are people oh, nice who do take it that deep. Yeah, oh, you can. Yeah, if you try hard enough, there's there's a lot you could do to find somebody's location just off of like visual and audio cues. I mean, with Dave, I mean, I know where he is roughly, but you can always hear the gulls. <laughs> you can hear That's gulls, deep. and it looks like there is that a mountain in the background? Oh, your window? Is yeah, it's not like maybe not a mountain. Oh, it's a house. Oh, no, no. There is a mountain far in the distance, yeah. Oh, okay. Can anyone work out where Dave is? <laughs> it would be easier if there's I only was one mountain back in where I was. No, there's more. But the one mountain you're thinking of is there's where not. I was previously to moving here. <laughs> there's only one mountain in Wales, Dave, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, tied it back into the stream. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I did used to live at the base of Snowden. Uh, but that was lovely. I thought he in the was in Russia. <laughs> but <-dum> buts. <laughs> uh, oh, OPC. I like your minions. How you doing? Hey. Your minions, Dave. They're playing the arcade cabinets. <laughs> Have you seen those, Chesh? What? The Dave's, Dave's little arcade games? games. Oh, no, no. What games you get? Uh, yeah, get them down. Show us all, Dave. They're really, really cool. Uh, they're basically um, miniature arcade games, but like the classic arcades, but they're like this big. Swear to God, don't fall over. I'm gonna, I already get enough <laughs> trouble with people telling me I'm trying to murder children. If you fall over and hurt yourself, I'm never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> Oh, nice. Now I've got Rolling Thunder and Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. Oh. Oh, what you don't know is that they're not miniature. Dave's just giant. <laughs> I do keep saying I'm fat. <laughs> Dave is just a giant. <laughs> I actually like doing that with the miniature bottles of uh, alcohol as well. Pretend that I'm a giant down in a bottle. How big, how big is his house then? Because he had to like step up and reach for that. Like, holy. Now, now it's really easy to find you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're all giants and wells. That's why they say they've got such small uh, kitchens. They don't actually have small kitchens. They just can't fit in them. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't live Clearly by a mountain. Because... I live in a mountain. <laughs> Clearly it's because Wales is truly the land of hobbits and it was just taken over by giant people, obviously. That sounds about right. It's the um, Celts, you know. We're, we're all giant people. The seely or the unseely? <laughs> did we uh did we do the honorary it's your birthday, what's your alignment? No. Oh, we gotta do the honorary what alignment is Dave? As in we we try and do put... what do we guess or do we do a test? No, we we do have a discussion about it, about what alignments mean what and where he would fall. Um 
Lawful evil. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lawful, why? I'm saying nothing. Because <laughs> he knows it's true as well. <laughs> Follow my rules or else. <laughs> I've not been involved in criminal enterprises for at least four hours. No, no, you're lawful. So of course you haven't been. That has nothing to do with the evil part. But lawful is actually about following rules, not necessarily laws. It's about following rules. So as long as he's following his own rules, he could technically be regarded as lawful. And if his own rules are, you know, evil rules... It's all about the rules. Yeah, the lawful part has to do with, like, your morality. The evil part has to do with, like, selfishness. So, I mean, Dave... Dave does have have certain obligations that he feels that we have to each other and things like that, though, doesn't he? It quite often goes on about the, the when we're having our discussions about morality, about our duties and obligations. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily say whether he follows them. He just says that he feels we have them. <laughs> well, there's also something to be said for, because it's it's lawful versus chaotic and good versus evil. So if a lawful evil would be like a tyrant. Like, you have rules. If you don't follow these rules, I'm going to cut off your hands. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, the ends justify the means to be sure that the laws and the rules are in fact followed. <laughs> uh, good question from Intrigue Feline, though. But if someone just makes up rules on the spot, are they then still lawful? So if he no, keeps no, no. changing the rules... Philosophy and logic and... and... <laughs> <laughs> all morality it's is stuff. subjective so everybody is just making stuff up on the spot <laughs> well there you have it I guess. That means everyone is chaotic regardless of it's literally you can't be lawful <laughs> yeah, because laws are subjective too every every rules every exactly. rule is subjective when it comes down to it when you distill it no no it being a subjective has nothing to do with whether or not you uh, decide to abide by it or not so then you can just make everything up on the spot and you can abide by it. Oh, of course you can. Chaotic lawful. <laughs> <laughs> so it's chaotic, chaotic lawful lawful. evil. <laughs> <laughs> so so you could be chaotic in that your your rules are arbitrary. That would make you chaotic because they're changing depending on the situation. And you would be chaotic evil because you're changing if your reasoning for doing so or your justification for doing so is because it's what suits you at the time. An evil moral particularist. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> I I would say Dave is probably uh, lawful neutral. I would agree with that actually. Yeah. Uh, I was I, being I think, controversial at the start. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I think, I think, I think Dave wants to be lawful good, but is too tired. <laughs> I just hate humanity too much. <laughs> That's fair. I've I think there's a Twitter. good amount. I think there's a lot of good amount of like lawful good people who are just tired of humanity. I think that's <laughs> yeah. that's too. I think Steve is one of them. Steve's lawful good, <laughs> yeah, especially with the rules of logic. <laughs> <laughs> Follow follows the rules. Now you can be malicious compliance. 
Now that is lawful good. You have gotten what you wanted by exactly precisely following the rules. <laughs> Love malicious compliance. Love it. But, but that's lawful. I, I have spent hours watching YouTube videos about stories that are malicious compliance. They're, my, they're some of my favorite stories. <laughs> I have followed the rule exactly as you laid it out. It's not my fault it turned out not the way you wanted, because that's not really the way you want the rule. <laughs> Lawful good. Uh, Icarus says, is the dungeon master lawful because he makes the rules and then follows them? And, uh, as long as he's following the rules, sure. You don't want to know how much the dungeon masters actually make stuff up on the spot. Yeah, the dungeon master <laughs> doesn't follow the rules. <laughs> but uh, nice. so it is just all you know bullshit at the time, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not yeah. much really. Oh, it is. Phil, don't don't you dare! We can my DM rolled rolled something and was like, "Oh no, it's a it's a natural zero, a natural one." Sorry, and I was like, "What?" And then he told me something really bad, and then I looked around his little screen, and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. But why why nice do you think we have screens? Like, what do you yeah. think that's for? He, he had something really bad happen to me. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't that's like nasty. you. <laughs> he does like you. What did this? The, the question is what were you doing that caused the dungeon master to feel the need to, to fudge on that one again against you? What were you doing? No comment. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Fucking players. Uh, Intrigue Feline says, "I never played D It's just too difficult to follow everything as a hearing impaired person. Uh, I've never played D D either, but that's because I'd never had anyone else around me that was interested in playing it. Um, I have but... played with uh, somebody who is hearing impaired. Uh, I don't get to. I got. I only got to play with him." a couple of times because it was only while he happened to be around. He's not around anymore. He moved back home. Um, but he is deaf. And so what we needed to do to sort of help compensate for that is we had him and we had his girlfriend at the time who was able to translate his sign language a little bit better for us. And everybody at the table just had to agree to just be patient and nobody really had a problem with that. It was we just had to. It was like a little bit slower going because we had to sort of translate around what was happening and then translate it back. Extra but drinking we time. were able to do it. It's certainly not something that ought to, I think, discourage you from playing. It's just a matter of finding a group that's able to compensate or able to meet your requirements. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, or you says, can do text-based. Yeah. Text-based D&D is also a thing. Yeah. You can play text-based D&D. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Icarus says play some Baldur's Gate. I mean, that that's a game. Um, and I did play Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2. And they, they teach you the basic mechanics of it, but it it's still... It's not the same as the experience, or at least it's not how I imagine the actual experience is. Um, but it, it is a good idea though. Um, but she says, uh, Intrigue Feline says, I do wonder though, what would you guys characterize, characterize me as? What would she be? I don't know. Intrigue I mean, I already saw an answer saying a tabaxi that. bard, but no, <laughs> uh, I would race. I'm usually pretty in people can kind of figure out their own race. Um, I would say a knowledge cleric specifically. Uh, knowledge cleric. So, what's the special abilities of a knowledge cleric? 
Oh. He accepted to play his handbook. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I played D and D, it was how small she is. She's tiny. Second edition, <laughs> and here we go. Ah, sorry, Dave. What you were saying? Last time I played D and D, it was the AD and D second edition, and I played oh, the very is, release of Cthulhu, which was yeah. awesome because Cthulhu was awesome. Why did you why did you stop playing, Dave? I just didn't have time and nobody else was really into it at the time. Uh, not interested in playing. That's again how it now. happens. Alright. Cleric. You guys know what a cleric is, right? Like I don't need to explain that bit. Okay. So the abilities that the cleric gets in fifth edition is uh spellcasting. Uh you get some cantrips. So you get your your basic spell casting. Um, is it mainly healing get... spells? Well, Honestly, uh, clerics are pretty badass in combat. Clerics are badass. Yeah. Um, uh, wisdom is the spell cast uh, ability score that you're using. You get ritual casting, and you get a spell casting focus because of course you do. You get a divine domain, so uh, you get to choose a domain related to your related to your deity. I said knowledge was. Specifically, so the knowledge domain. Um, domain spells, so each domain has a list of spells. The knowledge domain gets command, identify, augury, suggestion, non-detection, speak with dead, arcane eye, confusion, legend, the lore, and scrying. Uh, channel divinity is at second level. You get the ability to channel uh, energy directly from your deity using that energy to fuel your magic effects. You start with two effects, turn undead and an effect to determine to buy your domain, which is command or identify. Does um, turn undead fear, like cast a fear spell on the undead, makes them run away from you? Yes, and then can be upgraded to destroy them later on. It gets upgraded yes, automatically. Yeah. So channel divinity, turn undead. As an action, you present your holy symbol and speak the prayer, uh, censuring the undead. Each undead that can see or hear you within 30 feet must make a wisdom saving throw. If the creature fails its throw, it is turned for one minute or until it takes any damage. A turned creature must spend its turn trying to move as far away from you as it can, It and it can't willingly move to a space within 30 feet of you. It also can't take reactions. For its action, it can only use the dash action to try and uh, escape the effect that prevents it from moving. Um, if there's nowhere for it to move, the creature can use the dodge action. And then you get upgrades to destroy undead at level 5, you get divine intervention at 10th level, uh, you can call on your deity to uh, intervene on your behalf uh, when your deity is great, blah blah blah. Your divine, the knowledge domain is, you get blessing of knowledge, so at first level you learn two additional languages of your choice, you become proficient in two of the following skills, arcana, history, nature, or religion, and your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check using any of those skills that you picked. So you basically get expertise at level 1, because fuck you, I'm a cleric. Um, <laughs> Does that get, sound like uh, right no, to you, Intrigue Feline? Does that, does, does that answer your question? With two extra languages, who, who so you starts? get two, Campaign at level one, though. I've yeah, never I, started a campaign at level one. I, I do sometimes, yeah. Yeah. It's painful, that is, isn't it? it? it, it yeah, painful, sometimes you yes. need to put the players in their place. <laughs> yeah, I, I, killed the, I, I killed the player accidentally at level, level one. Oh, yeah. I yeah. did too. That's the problem with being level one. It wasn't my fault, though. They're so fragile, the poor things, right? Uh, <laughs> they got whacked by goblins. You put them against like one goblin and they get absolutely wrecked. Yeah. The question here, right, is who's going to build an Answers in Dragons campaign for us? <laughs> That's a good and out of 10. Dapper Dino. <laughs> Call Dapper Dino in. <laughs> Starting at second level, you can use your channel divinity to tap into divine well of knowledge. As an action, you choose one skill or tool. For 10 minutes, you have proficiency with that chosen skill or tool. Because of course you do. Why not? Sixth level, read thoughts. You can use your channel divinity to read a creature's thoughts. You can then use your uh, use your access to the creature's mind to command it. As an action, choose one creature that you can see within 60 feet of you. That creature must make a wisdom saving throw. If that creature succeeds on the wisdom saving throw, you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. If the creature 
fails its saving throw, you can read its surface thoughts. The foremost thought of its mind reflecting its current emotions and what activity it's thinking about. When it is within 60 feet of you, this effect lasts for one minute. During that time, you can use uh, your action to end this effect and cast the suggestion spell on the creature without expending a spell slot. The target automatically fails its saving throw against the spell. Because, you, of course it does. Potent spell casting, starting at 8th level, add your wisdom modifier to the damage you deal with any cleric cantrip. Because, you, I'm a knowledge cleric. Visions of the past, starting at 17th level, you can call up visions of the past that relate to an object you hold or in your immediate surroundings. You spend at least one minute in meditation and prayer, then receive dreamlike shadowy glimpses of recent events. You can meditate in this way for a number of minutes equal to your wisdom score and must maintain concentration during that time as if you were casting a spell. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again after you finish a short or a long rest. Object reading. Holding an object as you meditate, you can see visions of the object's previous owner. After meditating for a minute, you learn how the owner acquired and lost the object, as well as the most recent significant event involving the object and the owner. If the object was owned by another creature in the recent past, then the number of days equals it to your wisdom score. You can spend one additional minute for each owner to learn the same information about that creature. Area reading. As you meditate, you see visions of recent events in your immediate vicinity. A room, secret tunnel, clearing, up to a 50-foot cube, whatever. Um, going back a number of days equal to your wisdom score. For each minute you meditate, you learn about one significant event, beginning with the most recent significant events, typically involve powerful, typically involve powerful emotions, such as battles and betrayals, marriages, murders, births, and funerals. However, they might also include more mundane events that are nevertheless important in your current situation. Oh, spells that you might have to Please hold, because you might be surprised. Yes, you asked. I'm answering. You asked. Here we go. So besides the ones you already got as a life cleric. You get cantrips, guidance, light, mending, resistance, sacred flames, spare the dying, thermaturgy. Level 1, bane, bless, command, create destroy water, cure wounds, detect evil, and good, detect magic, detect poison, disease, guiding bolt, healing word, inflict wounds, protect from good, evil, purify, good, and drink, sanctuary, shield of faith. Second level, aid, artery, uh, deafness, blindness, calm emotions, continual flame, enhance ability, fine trust, gentle repose, hold person, lesser restoration, locate object, prayer, healing, protection from poison, silence, spiritual weapon, warning bond, zone of truth. Third level, and they dead, because of course the cleric knows how to animate the dead. They can help bestow curse. <laughs> Clear coins, create water, daylight, dispel magic, feign death, with the warning magical circle, mass healing word, meddled into stone, protection from energy, remove curse. So you can take the stone curse and remove curse and torment people forever if you want. Uh, Revivify, sending, speak with dead, spirit guardians, uh, tongues, water walk. Fourth level, banishment, uh, control water, death word, divination, freedom of movement, guidance of faith, creature, stone shape. Fifth, commune, uh, contagion, <coughs> dispel, good and evil, flame strike, DS, greater restoration, hollow, insect plague. You can throw bees at people. Legend lore, master wounds, planar binding, raise dead. Sorry, you can raise the dead. Sorry, sixth level, blade barrier, create undead. I think that's just killing somebody, okay. <laughs> Finding the path, uh, forbidden harm, heal, hero speech, planar allies, truth seeing, uh, word of recall, seventh level, conjure celestial, divine word, ethereal, firestorm, plane shift, regenerate, resurrection, symbol, eighth level, anti field, control water, earthquake, holy aura, ninth level, astral projection, gate, mass seal, and true resurrection. <laughs> the book away. <laughs> <laughs> that was comprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I think you might need no, to re re rewind it and play it on point seven five. <laughs> I think I read that pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, maybe point five, <laughs> just to be able to get it. <laughs> Most videos I, think we I got watch. Did I do a good job though? Does that not? Did I pick a good one from Tree Feeling? I think so. I think that would definitely suit her. And do you know what? She's stuck with that one regardless. That's all she's allowed ever. <laughs> <laughs> you should see when you actually start reading what some of those spells do. <laughs> yeah, we should we should go through all of them. I I think uh, from level from level one. You want me to read? You want me to read it? <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't even all of them. There's actually more in other books, but that's just yeah, the yeah. I know. Uh, I think, sure I think a, a lot of the games that, um, that I, I enjoyed playing, um, especially as a as a teenager, use a lot of the D and D rules. So even though I've never played it, I've got an idea of of that. As that somebody sort who's never actually played a cleric, I would have a hard time doing all the spells from memory. Yeah, I I mean they're not always the same in every game that you play. Like the reason I asked about the the healing spells was because 
for example, in EverQuest, they were like one of the main healers in the game. So oh, they're still definitely they're still one of the main yes. healers. Uh, but they, just they weren't good as the necessarily the, the the direct combat. You'd always have them standing back. They could, you know, fight, but they. Yeah. Uh, no, clerics, clerics in D and D get heavy, like get plate mail as part of their yeah. thing. They're they get their uh, their uh, the the shit they wield, like their weaponry, is like maces and hammers so they're like in your they're not like oh we stand back and cast healing no that's like a bard if you want to make a healy bard that's what a healy bard does but if you're gonna play or maybe like a really healy cleric if you want to make a or not a cleric a, a, a druid you can make a druid or a bard that that focuses a lot on healing they'll never be able to heal as much as like a healing based cleric but healing based clerics aren't you don't you're in combat you're smacking bitches and yelling at people to make them feel better. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mate um, made a, a cleric that was a whale. A whale? Yeah, a whale. <laughs> a, a whale <laughs> cleric. Yeah, that's what he was. As in... Did he cry a lot? <laughs> was it, was it animal. A... Animal, a whale. Yeah, he was a whale. And, and it managed to survive out of the sea? Or was it yeah, just... it was just a whale. <laughs> it was a whale that was a cleric. <laughs> oh! <laughs> How did this survive? He had a whistle wife. <laughs> well, they got kidnapped. I'm waiting for the punchline. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> it! This was a player? And, and his character turned up in... Is he polymorphed? Oh, I don't know. He turned up in our D&D thing. He's like uh, a, a helpful person. And was, he was like, this whale turns up, and he's like, oh yeah, this is a character I played at one point. And like, smashes everyone. <laughs> Absolutely decimates everyone, and we're like, oh wow, this whale's a really good uh, ally. <laughs> Let's keep him. Hey, now that he's beating the shit out of us. <laughs> we should make friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but a whale, though? Did it, like, have any special features that it... Did it fly? Did it... Did it, did it flew as well, yeah, it was a fly... <laughs> Yeah, I figured it had to fly. Yeah, it's a flying so it a whale, whale cleric. So, okay, so it was a whale that could exist inside and outside of the water, and it, and it had arms and legs. Sea. It wasn't like it didn't have fins. Oh, it was a person, but they were a whale. Whale person, a whale person cleric that could fly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, I've just got a question in the chat. <laughs> It's a, what's your uh, favourite and least favourite topics in philosophy? What's that? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that's also the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my most favourite is probably... Ethics, because that's what I tend to spend most of my time talking about. And my least favorite is probably least durable. <laughs> that's, that's a <laughs> bit of a stretch to put this into the philosophy category. <laughs> I don't know. And my least favorite, I actually don't know, because I just kind of enjoy it all. Uh, and the thing I spend my the least time talking about is probably the philosophy of war because nobody else really talks about it. And what what are your um what what do you think about the whole continental and analytic philosophy divide? 
uh, I think it's made up and it feels a bit in group out groupish. And I feel like both contribute major ideas to philosophy itself. Uh, I it mean, is a way of approaching philosophy and answering the questions. But I, I can understand why most people choose analytic philosophy because it's more straightforward and more logical and easier to read. But Continental offers a lot, like uh, Foucault offers a lot, Kant, Hegel, they all offer quite a lot. Uh, what is uh, what are your favorite and least favorite topics in psychology? Luke <laughs> and Luke. <laughs> Answer. <laughs> What's your um, favorite? It was a very long time ago. My philosophy, uh, psychology degree, and <laughs> I think one of my favorite topics, though, was uh, like the idea of things like social schema and how beliefs are formed and. And that kind of stuff, because it's kind of very helpful towards philosophy and understanding doxastic states and how beliefs come about and things like that. And I kind of like the topic of identity, like social identity theory, especially. Uh, what is your favorite type of cheese? Nachos. <laughs> Nacho cheese. Nacho cheese. <laughs> 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 It's got that spice. It's got that Yeah, spice. exactly. Uh, you should use Mexicana as nacho cheese. <laughs> uh, if you fail to save someone, did you kill them? Depends. Is failing to save them not taking my foot off their head while they're drowning? <laughs> you know, it depends on what it means by failing to save them, really. That's a good answer. It is a good answer. With I, I suppose yeah, it, if you went down the lines of if you had the uh, a clear opportunity to save them, are you responsible for their death? If it was really easy for you to actually save them. And you chose not to. I think it's a more complicated answer, but you definitely contribute towards their death. Because yeah. if you could save them easily without causing yourself any harm or even damaging your trousers, you've <laughs> kind of not done what you should be doing, really. The only thing stopping you from saving them is yourself. So if you force yourself to not save someone... Yeah, that's it. It's, you're, you're making the choice to not do it. Well, you know, free will... Inhibiting. <laughs> Dave, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Baby, don't hurt me, aren't you? <laughs> and I refuse to do it. <laughs> I'll happily sing, though. I'll do that as well. But I won't do that. <laughs> but no, it might be a genuine question. What do you see love as, Dave? Let's treat it as if it's a genuine question. Hey, that's a very difficult question. Um... It's oh, a book, but wait, go on, go on, Dave. You it's go. just I'm a chemical reaction. I feel like he's gone into the corner and started masturbating. He's going to show us his love. The Four oh, Loves cool. by C.S. Oh, Lewis. Oh, God. That's Lewis. a good book. That's a good book. I've never read it. Uh, interesting. And love is all kinds of things, really. Um, love is war? Mostly, um, yeah. Love is a dagger. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, let's do a whole stream on that at some point, though. I'd be be interested to do it. I actually started writing yeah. an article about love, and um, uh, only got halfway through it and got distracted by millions of other things. So I'd be interested in doing a stream on it, maybe a finishing my article. Uh, Dave, how do you deal with Joe's trolling? Uh, I usually pretend that I have problems with my connection. <laughs> <laughs> also, love is a Dutch oven. Cruel. There you go. We got some questions in there for you, Dave. <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> yeah, I... um, but actually, looking yeah, at the sorry. time... I, I am going to end the stream for the night as well because uh, I do have work in the morning. Um, so, uh, once again, happy birthday, Dave. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys, happy for birthday. joining the stream. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you guys for joining us for the um, the stream as well. Um, so, we did to tonight, we did our hammering rationality, and then we finished off with an AMA and uh, a little lesson about DD from Chesh. <laughs> do not ask me question if you do not want to make pictures <laughs> my DMV screen is right here <laughs> so thank you everybody who has watched tonight and especially those of you who have joined in in the chat and joined us on stream uh, you've been watching the Fresh Air Sci-Fi Show and I'm Joe and I wish I was Socrates <laughs> And or like a well-oiled machine <laughs> uh, brilliant uh, thank you guys have yourselves a good one good night, all. Good night. Good night guys yeah. take it easy yeah. good night <laughs>